Hey, this is James Cratch, Giants beat writer for the Star Ledger and NJ.com, and you are listening to JK, but seriously, real football injury talk. Thanks for tuning in to an all-new episode of the Heads and Tails Injury Report. Uh, we are currently in the Pro Bowl week of the 2017 NFL season. Uh, speaking of Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl is a complete joke. I, mean, I, I want the hour back of my life that I spent watching that, looking for possible injuries that might have come up. We'll we'll talk about the Pro Bowl at the end of the podcast. And, yeah, there's no – I don't think there's a solution to it. They've tried a bunch of things, and it's just not – but we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it at the end. Okay, so we're going to wait on that one. Uh, I didn't intro my co-host, Josh Boyd. If this is your first podcast, you're really late to the game, I guess, because we've been going – this is 21 weeks strong. We've been putting out – the injury report to really spark a conversation on how we can make the sport of football safer to play uh, at all levels, really. But, you know, we're both big fans of the sport of football. We want to see it continue to grow and prosper, uh, but not at the expense of the players who who play and their their health. Uh, So this week we're going to start off with just some injury updates from week 20. And... One of the big headliner injuries was Rob Gronkowski's uh, concussion. He's the New England Patriots tight end, in case you've been living under a rock for the last five, six, seven years. Uh, so just you want to get the update on that one, Josh? Yeah, so there's not a ton of injury stuff. Um, obviously, Gronkowski was the biggest injury from the championship games. Uh, he got a concussion. It was the second of the year. He missed the whole second half of the game. Um, obviously, with the with the week off between the championship games and the Super Bowl, he's got two weeks in between. Um, they said he's still in the protocol. Uh, he pr- participated in, in a non-contact practice. He wouldn't have participated in a full contact practice if there had have been a full contact practice. They basically give out like a a fake, not a fake injury report, but like an estimated injury report um, that that like guesses what would have what their participation would have been had they actually had a practice. I think that was on Friday of last week. So they kind of like guesstimate or you know, I don't want to say fake because fake sounds like they just make it up, yeah. but they give out a, a projected, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like report. he was running some routes and yeah. catching balls without defenders on him or anything like that. Yeah, so, so obviously there there's no rush for the Patriots to, to get him into full contact practice anything anyway. He's got a whole other week this week. Um, though I will kind of be interested to see what they do with him. So um, today is – they used to have the media day, and it used to be like a, kind of a big spectacle. It used to be on Tuesday afternoon. Last year they changed it to – Super Bowl opening night, which is the Monday night of the Super Bowl, where both teams are like they set up all the podiums out out on on the field, and it's like it's media night instead of media day, and now it's on Monday night. But if he's still in protocol, I'm kind of interested to see if they is with the I mean it's a lot of stimulation, yeah, stimulation, light sensitivity, all that kind of thing, asking a lot of questions. So if he's still in concussion protocol, I'm interested to see if he's accessible for the media night tonight um or if he's like limited if he's if he's only there for a little bit or if he's not there at all um just kind of interesting and because obviously if he, they put him out there all they're going to ask him about is the concussion right um not that he really not that they give any breaking news details anyway but um that's just a interesting side note because um, the patriots don't talk about injuries yeah so, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit i also just wanted to point out that i really blew the intro i wanted to really give a, a good i i feel like I didn't say really what the main part of this podcast is going to be about. So after going through the week 20 injury updates, um, 
we're going to talk a little bit about some health and safety headlines uh, that were in the news. Just There's some new concussion numbers in the NFL, and they're up from previous years. Uh, talking about Thursday night games also and the injuries that were there. Uh, we got a state in the, in the U.S. Uh, proposing to ban football for kids under – or tackle football under 12. Uh, we got the XFL saying that they're going to come, you know, come back, uh, make a comeback in 2020. Uh, and we also were going to talk about uh, a podcast which we've been alluding to uh, the past few weeks um, called The Future of Football with Chris Borland um, on the Ringer NFL show. So that's just a little preview of what's to come. Uh, sorry to cut you off there, Josh. I just wanted to give myself a a chance at redemption on that on that <laughs> intro that I, I blew. I botched the, the intro. Yeah. Obviously, uh, there's no games to talk about this week, so we, like Kev like said, we'll just quickly touch on some injuries from from the championship games, and then talk about some uh, some really interesting things to me. And uh, like I said, we'll we'll get into it in a little bit. But uh, and back to the Gronk concussion. This is his second concussion of the season, and it, pretty much all signs are pointing towards that he's going to play. And I mean, you, it, feeling symptoms or not, do you think Gronk would really not play? Yeah, no. With, with especially with the two weeks in, in between, he'll definitely play. I mean, I'd be shocked if he didn't play. But it, uh, the only—I don't think there'll be any lingering effects. But the only thing, the really, f- the biggest focal point is to watch him if he gets hit again. You know what I mean? He's—he's he's not only the focal point for him. He's the biggest part of their offense. So, and it's, as a tight end, he's going to be over the middle. Um, I'm sure the Eagles aren't going to target him. But if he gets hit in the head, it's, it'll be a oh, the Eagles thing, are yeah. doing. Uh, they know if they hit him in the head, it'll take him out of the game and all that stuff on purpose. So, um, uh, he'll I would he'll play. But it just it'll it's it'll be interesting to see how um, if he has any response to any additional hits. Right, but this is like the kind of question that. You know, researchers ask, should like, he know, play? No, like, all right, picture this. You know, you're in the Super Bowl of the, you know, the championship game, and you know, would you let your your teammate play knowing that he had a concussion, or would you say something if you knew that your yeah. star player had a concussion? And like, yeah. it's one of those scenarios. Like, you know for sure yeah, that no, he wouldn't say anything yeah. if he even thought the slightest bit that he might have had a concussion yeah. symptoms still lingering. Yeah. So he'll play. It's just like, like I said, it's just a matter of if. Uh, if anything else comes of it or not, if he has any. Do you think there will ever be a day where uh, a semi-concussed uh, Gronk two weeks after a concussion going to the Super Bowl would ever say, no, I'm not playing? No, uh, so a, a guy similar to him? Uh, I mean, yeah. If you're not – and it's, it's tough to say. It's one of those things where if, he, if you're not well enough to play in the Super Bowl after two weeks, um, then are you well enough to play at all? Ever, you know what I mean? It seems like I, the only situation I can see it happening is if, if it's a quarterback who has a history of concussions, like a long history of concussions, um, and is on a winning team and gets a concussion and it's his fourth or fifth one, and it's um, so one of those type of things. So it's that's a good good point. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say, but it was it would be very circumstantial, obviously. So Barry Church did get fined from that hit. Um, twenty four thousand three hundred and nine dollars to be exact. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that is a a worthy fine? Is that consistent with the fines? Yeah. Uh, so, given out previously, like we said last week, he was going to get fined because he got penalized. You get penalized, you're going to get fined. So regardless of um the intent or um how bad it is on a scale of one to ten, he, it was a penalty. Um, like we said, I don't think he did it on purpose, but since it was a penalty, he was going to get fined. Right. So and it's I think uh, I forgot to mention last week that. Uh, 
the hit on Travis Kelsey that gave him that concussion where he was all woozy getting up, yeah. that there wasn't a fine issued on that one. No penalty. No penalty, yeah. yeah. So, so it's consistent with what you're saying. Uh, okay. And I also wanted to point out how quickly that we forget about Gronk's little incident against the Bills when he suplexed the, the Bills defender on the ground and yeah. gave him a concussion because everyone's like, oh, no, Gronkowski, like, mm-hmm. feeling so bad for him. And I'm like, yeah, like, a month ago he was just beating some guy in the yeah. head. I, I I mean I think they're they're you can't they're not relatable at all. But I mean what you can the what you can say is I mean it's mostly the bi, a bi most I wouldn't say biased Patriot fan, but most Patriot fans are of the impression that all oh, people do it on purpose. You know what I mean? People target him. People try to take him out of the game because they can't they they can't contain him anyway. So the only way to stop him is to take him out of the game. But it's, I know, but you can't. <laughs> There's like no argument where like he blatantly tried to like hurt someone. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just it's. I don't know. I just feel like people might be a little more lenient on him for some reason, or maybe just because he's a patriot. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving on to another patriot, Tom Brady. Ever heard of him? New England quarterback. Uh, he, he obviously had a hand injury going into the uh, AFC Championship game, and. He says that it's not quite where he wants it to be still. Um, do you have any other updates for us, Josh? He'll be fine. He he played the whole game. He played fine. He, he played well. He'll 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 be fine with two more weeks of rest. You got to think he'd only be better than yeah. he did, which I, was good enough to win. Yeah. So. It, like like I said, if he was able to play on three days after the injury with cut and stitches, two weeks and three days, it, it, I wouldn't even think it'll be that much of a storyline going into the game, to be honest. Have you seen the the? Did you see the the first two episodes of the Tom versus Time documentary? No, I'm not not, I'm not into that. I'm not wasting my time watching that. I thought it was pretty interesting. Well, I'm sure it is interesting, but I just I, I wouldn't be able to stomach it, so I'm not going to watch it. Because you're that sour, huh? Not sour. I just sour. I mean, maybe it's sour, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to watch Tom Brady. I, I think the the first episode was interesting because it really does take you through some of his like regimens that he does to keep his body healthy and keep him playing like he's 23 instead of 40 years old like he really is mm-hmm. so I thought that was interesting kind of how he approaches the recovery aspect and like the preventative you know like the prehab aspect yeah. to knowing that he's going to get hit you know throughout like he's getting hit in his training like yeah. he's getting smacked with stuff and this is like how he does uh the second episode was more about like x's and o's type things how he prepares for the games from like a video perspective but this is all coming out with like he came with a book he's got if you look in the book he's got like protein supplements tb12 protein supplements he's got foam roller brand branded foam rollers you know exercise band like he's setting himself up for a life after football but if you were him why wouldn't you oh i'm not saying no i'm not saying i wouldn't i'm saying he's 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 smart yeah Yeah, it's like a good idea it's easy um and obviously He's walked the talk to a point where he – I mean, not too many people can say that they played quarterback in the NFL when they're 40 years old and yeah. still made it to the Super Bowl. So. Well, it's one of those things. It seems like in the in the past four to five years, maybe a little bit longer than that, that he's realized that um, kind of like LeBron James and Steph Curry and Tiger Woods, like they're not only the best athlete in their sport, they're a brand. And they can make more money than they'll ever make in contracts off of themselves and their brand. Um, and like the basketball players do it with shoes, and Tiger did it with clothes and 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 equipment. Tom Brady does it with what he what what's what he's been the most known for is playing longer and playing at a higher level than anybody else. So he's like, oh, how to 
what was my approach to doing this? Let's sell, let's sell this approach. Yeah. I think that's interesting point that you just made because I think about Tiger Woods, like I remember the brand that he created and even to this day, despite all of the kind of, you know, bad press that he's gotten for what he's done off the course, he still has like a pretty solid brand. I feel like. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. to withstand all of that yeah. and to still have a brand that people recognize and still have a level of respect for, yeah, it's pretty. It says yeah. a lot. Side note, and this is the Heads and Tails Golf Podcast uh, episode. Um, he played this weekend for the first time in a year. Made the cut. Um, he actually put, so when he played Saturday and Sunday, they go off both tees and on Saturday and Sunday. So he was on the opposite side of the course as the leaders. So he teed off on hole ten instead of hole one. So like the leaders would be on hole four. He's on hole thirteen. He had the biggest following. Like there was thousands of people on the course following his group around. It was nuts. Um, so I mean, even like you said, with all of his uh, that's bad stuff that happened in his life, he he come back and he's played for the first time in a weekend in two years, and his brand is still as big as it ever. Right. The is. other thing I think is interesting is like I'm obsessed with this idea of like career longevity, obviously, or else this project podcast probably wouldn't exist. But you think of like people, the athletes who have those brands, it's the ones who have the sustainable careers. Like you don't, you can't build a brand in two years. Yeah. You know, like you have to be in it for the long haul. So I just think that's another point to make for athletes out there is like, you know, if you're, yeah, you also have to be. You have to like in the NFL. You have to be a quarterback. I mean, golf is a is a individual sport. So I mean, you have to be the best. I mean, Jordan Spieth is building a brand, um, but basketball, I mean. There's only five guys on the court, so you can play. But the bigger team sports like football, like you gotta, you gotta be you gotta a really stick out. You know, yeah. like yeah. like a- Antonio Brown is probably is I think, he's, if not the best wide receiver, he's one of the three best wide receivers in in the league, and he's somewhat trying to build a brand, but it'll never be anything close to what Tom Brady's is, just because of the positions that they play. Right. Uh, okay, that was a good little diversion. So yeah. Let's whip through these next other couple injuries. There's nothing really. Um, Did you want to talk about how Bill Belichick doesn't answer injury questions? I mean, they they we've talked about that a little bit this year. He never does. They're very, um, and other teams are too, are too. It's very calculated. Yeah, they they they, they do it on purpose, which is. Uh, but like we kind of, the one t- I forget when it was this year that we talked about it. But um, I mean, I think hockey does it right. The hockey, you don't need to say anything. All they say is if they have an upper body body injury or a lower bo- lower body injury. That's it. And if it's day to day or if it's longer than that, they put them on a, uh, on IR. I get it. Their injury structure, like their IR structure for roster standpoint, is a little bit different. But in hockey, you don't need to like they don't make you say anything. You know what I mean? Like he's either playing. Everyone's in the dark. He's either healthy or he's not healthy. He's either injured up top or injured down low. That's all. So I mean, let I don't, your imagination take it where yeah. you, where you want so, it to but go. But the, there's not as many people betting on hockey every every week like there is on football. So um, the NFL requires them to give practice reports and tell where. I mean, I don't. I guess there uh, there will probably never be a day where. Uh, football doesn't have injury reports because of Vegas and because of uh, gambling. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, he, Belichick doesn't need to tell the media why his players aren't practicing or what's hurt and what their status is. It's just not – it doesn't – it doesn't need – it's an unnecessary thing. So The heads and tails injury report would be hurting if there wasn't injury <laughs> reports. That would be we'd, pretty tough. We'd have to do a lot more tough research. Tough to do. We'd be, have to, like, have a, a giant TV screen with, like, you know, 16 different games going on at once. Yeah. Dreams. 
so this is an injury that we missed last week, but it wasn't due to a lack of research. It just like was seemed like it was overlooked or it was kind of came up later. But uh, Dietrich Weiss, the New England defensive tackle, uh, also suffered a concussion in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I didn't see that at all. In the, um, maybe it was one of those ones where he gets diagnosed with a concussion a- after the game. I don't think they said anything about it. And I think he was playing in the second half. But he's he's one of their rookie uh, defensive ends, one of their edge rushers, and he's one of their bigger sack guys. So um, he's, a, he's a big part of their uh, pass rush um, that's kind of came on at the end of the year, which is it seemed like it seems like it always does. So um, same thing. But two weeks with, with a concussion, I would assume he would play. And then next injury we got is Malcolm Brown, New England, another New England defensive tackle, yeah. uh, with a foot injury. But he says he will be good to go. Big guy up front. He practiced already, um, so I would I would assume he will be good. Uh, then we got a Philadelphia injury. Uh, Jay Ajay, uh, Philadelphia running back with an ankle injury. Uh, he was limited in practice on Thursday. But what do you think his status will be for? Like you said, it's a, he, he he played in the championship game, and he's got another week, a full week of practice this week. So I would assume he would he would be full this week, and he'd be good to go. Um, would he be for full the Super Bowl or would be full? You get what I did I there. Get it. Yeah, I see, you get what I, I did there. Did. Nick um, Foles, he's the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. I get it. Okay, cool. Um, all right, I think that about does it for the injuries going into the Super Bowl, and now we will move on to the health and safety headlines that uh, really were all over the place uh, this past week uh, going into the Pro Bowl uh, weekend. And the first one being uh, that concussions suffered by NFL players up to this season, or there's a there's a higher injury rate or higher incident of concussion this season as opposed to previous seasons. And um, that increases – this is just – I'm reading from an article right now. Um, according to data which is gathered and analyzed by an independent, uh, I guess, data company, um, and also information provided by the NFL Player Association, showed that players suffered 281 concussions during the preseason and regular season, uh, which is an increase of 15.6% over the 243 diagnosed concussions suffered by players during the 2016 uh, season. Uh, it is also the highest number of concussions suffered by players in a season since 2012, according to um, data provided by the league. And what else we got here? So uh, they also talked about the number of concussions in the preseason this yeah. season were preseason more practices, like practices, not, yeah, right. not preseason games, preseason practices. And that number was uh, about 20 more than it was last year, 45 this year, 26 last year. Um, so uh, to me, like this is just one of those ones where you know, I, I, we talked about this when, when you sent me the stat originally is the NFL is, this is such a lose, lose situation for the NFL. Um, Cause forever the, dog on the NFL is they they don't do enough for concussions um they don't diagnose them they they don't care about the player safety and players and concussions so now they make it a, a an emphasis and a point to do a better job of spotting concussions diagnosing concussions holding guys out of games with with, with concussions and now of course this the data comes out that there's more concussions and now those same people who criticize the NFL for their lack of awareness on concussions come out and criticize the NFL and just in football in general about how dangerous it is and how there's more concussions and it's, it's more dangerous than it's ever been when it's, it's really not, it's, it's the same game. It's always been. Um, so it's just, the NFL is in a really tough, 
I wouldn't say it's it's in a tough spot, but from a public perception, a public relations standpoint, it's um, forever. It was um, they didn't diagnose concussions very well, and it wasn't a it wasn't a public a public thing, and they got a lot of shit for it. And now it's um, we're doing a lot better with it, but now there's more concussions, quote unquote, more concussions, um, and now football is more dangerous. Yeah, I think the the one interesting takeaway from those stats is the significant increase in concussions from preseason practice I think that's probably something that could definitely be addressed and that number should you would think would be reduced significantly I mean, next year to but. me I don't even think that number but I don't think that number will be reduced because I like they're the way they practice and how many practices they have and their pad of practice has has gone down so much that um like I said I don't think I think this number is probably the accurate is probably the right number. You know what I mean? I don't know if being, they can. They're being reported now. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know if they can really reduce it by by that much. Um, I just think they're they're like you said they're they're doing a better job of 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 reporting it and diagnosing them. So I mean that's it's probably the accurate number. Whereas as in the past, it was like I can't imagine how many concussions guys guys got in practices. 15 years ago, before the new CBA, when there was two days and. Um, like two practices a day, two full padded practices, and a lot more hitting in practice and all that stuff. So, uh, so they also had some numbers on injuries from Thursday night games, and they said that there was 6.9 injuries per game on Thursday nights compared to 6.3 injuries per game on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday games, uh, which is pretty insignificant to me. It's yeah. slightly more, but... I mean, it's... Like I said, the players are – it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The, the players are going to com- always going to complain about it um, because they don't want – they don't like the Thursday night games. Um, and when a, when a big name gets injured on Thursday night, it's going to be a big story. Um, and when you have a Thursday night game where no one gets hurt, no one's going to say anything. Um, I mean, we've talked about it, and we'll talk about it more in the weeks after the Super Bowl. Um, regardless of the stats, I think it's – I think it's for the best – the betterment of the league to um, – get rid of the Thursday night games. That's just my personal opinion. Um, and we'll know pretty soon what the new contract will be for next year. I'm sure t- I'm sure TV networks are still going to pay for it. So, And if they're willing to pay for it, the NFL is going to do it, um, I think. Um, like I said, they might be able to tweak it a little bit, but um, at least in the foreseeable future next year, I don't, I don't envision there being a change. But. Yeah, like make it something like you have the Thursday night game after a bye week or something. Yeah, and like we've said, it's uh, it's – probably impossible to do without having two bye weeks right so uh okay moving on to the next um health and safety headline uh we got a tackle football would be banned for children younger than 12 under a proposed state law that will be unveiled in chicago um it was unveiled last week and this proposed act is called the Dave Durson Act, who was a former Bears player who took his own life back in 2011. And I was just curious, you know, what you thought the implications of a, you know, a law being passed like this would have, you know, on the sport of football itself. I mean, it depends. I mean, to me, it really depends on. I guess there, there there's a couple factors, but when when you this is one of those things where I feel like the media twists it. You see the headline, and it, it immediately gets um, – the, the, the connotation is football – like they're trying to get rid of football. You know what I mean? They're trying to eliminate football. Football is bad. Um, but, I mean, you can should, – should, should anybody be tackling before 12 years old anyway? Like, okay, 
that's what they're saying. They, yeah. All the research is pointing towards flag football till 14 yes. or something. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, I, so I guess that's that's my point is um, it's kind of – I think this the, – like the law and what they're trying to do has the right um, – like they're on the right track, I think, um, and it has it, it has good intentions. But I think the national media gets a hold of it, and it gets onto Twitter, and it gets onto all the, and and it turns into and it it becomes an attack on football. You know what I mean? I don't really think it is, but I mean, if you're what's when you're twelve, what are you in sixth grade? So I mean, you probably should you probably should be playing flag before you're before you get 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 to sixth grade, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much it's really going to help you towards an NFL career if that's what your either, goal is. Either way, though, yeah. I mean, it's still you can still teach the game and you can still um, teach some teach some fundamentals without having to tackle when you're eight, nine, ten, eleven years old. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I just find it interesting that I mean, people tried to ban football when it first started. And we talked yeah. about this before, but like, how do you, you can't ban a sport. Like you're still going to have kids in the backyard playing tackle football. Yeah. So like, no, I know. But I guess to me, it's that you see the headline and it gets the connotation is we're trying to ban football when in reality, they're not really banning football. They're just changing the rules. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Football and flag football aren't technically, they're, 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 they're basically the same sport. You know what I mean? Right. So you're not banning football. You're changing the rules of your football league. That's what you're doing. So I, 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 I just think that you see this headline and it becomes like what you said. They're trying to ban football. They're a, it's, it, it, it's an attack on football. Where to me as they're, just, they're, they're changing the rules and that's what the rule probably should be anyway, I think. Right. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. And I found in the article some, something interesting was – you know, some unintended repercussions that could happen, you know, in Chicago, like inner city school kids, like when they're not on the football field, whether they're getting their brain beat in or not, it's, it can be better or safer than being on the streets after school or something like that. Yeah. But are you, are you not going to play flag football because it's not tackle? It, so I mean that would that would, the interesting thing to me is would would be to see if you truly get a significant drop in participation if football becomes flag twelve and under. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because I don't think people have even given it a try. They're, they I think they disregard that as an idea or an option before because the option to tackle is there. Right, and they're saying like. No, like that's stupid. Why would we play tag? Why would we play? Would we play flag when we can tackle? So yeah. yeah, maybe they're onto something by making it illegal to play tackle football or organize tackle football yeah. before twelve, because then it forces you to play flag, and then it forces yeah. that to be the thing. Yeah, I just think illegal and banning. It just sounds. It sounds makes it sound like something that I don't view it as. You know what I right. mean? Like, do you think they should? What age do you think they sh- you should start being able to play tackle football? You we just started the sport of football. Yeah. At at what point do you start to tackle with helmets and full pads? I mean, I think when you're 14 years old, like you're at least physically more aware of your body. Yeah. You can control your movements better. Yeah. I think it's that that's an age where I mean, it's still not good for you. I'm not going to say it's good for you, but I think you could handle yourself a little better when you're that old as opposed to when you're seven, nine, eight, ten. I mean, midget, I played when I was eight. Yeah, yeah I played tackle football. football when I was eight. Yeah. I was terrible. Yeah. But, you know, you don't have the body awareness to, like, really yeah. 
be able to play with purpose out there. Uh, just because you see it played on TV doesn't mean – I mean, you can easily compare it to baseball, right, in the sense that Major League Baseball, high school baseball, um, until you're 12 years old, the dimensions in the field yeah, the are league, completely Babe different. Ruth, yeah, you, right? there's like a progression. Yeah, yeah like when, when, you're, when you're eight years old and playing t-ball, you're not playing on 90-foot bases. It's your body, uh, you're, you're not, not strong you're, enough. Yeah, you're, you're not, not ready for that. Yeah. yeah, so, but why in football do you need to play the same game? Zero to 100 that, real quick. Yeah, why do you need to play the same game that you see on TV? Because the parents like seeing it. Yeah, not, probably. Uh, but, yeah, I know, like, Chris Nowinski and his team over at the Concussion Legacy Foundation are big on pushing flag football, you know, under 14 years old, and they're yeah. getting a lot of backing from NFL players yeah. and coaches and saying that they agree. And I think in the world of that we live in today with all these seven-on-seven seven camps and recruiting and stuff like that, like – it's more better. It could be. It could, it be, could be better well. for them. Yeah, yeah it could, it could be well. better for the athletes because yeah. it's it's more translatable to seven on sevens and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay, I think we covered that topic pretty pretty well. Uh, next headline is the XFL saying that they're going to come back in 2020, and I watched the whole press conference for this. I don't know if you got a chance to do that or not, but it it's interesting some of the proposals that they had because the XFL used to be like the no rules league yes. whereas like no fair catches like yes. big hits and it seems like they're trying to do the opposite of whatever the NFL is struggling with yes. now yes. Uh, and kind of capitalizing on that so what are your thoughts so f there's I have a lot of thoughts on this so I was and I want to tie this into the other two things that we're going to talk about I want to tie this in with the podcast I'm going to tie this in with a Wall Street Journal article that you sent me about a rule change to football um so shout out to John Miller. That's a, he, he wrote it, right? Or did he, he just, he just sent it to me, he tweeted, he, he at, tweeted me. at you. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's my view. So the XFL started as a competitor to the NFL when the NFL was becoming the most popular thing going. Right. Um, and basically what they did back then was try to capitalize and go the extra mile of what was making the NFL so popular, which was basically the violence, um, the cheerleaders. Um, they did a lot of stuff like all access with new technology and new cameras and that stuff. Um, so it was XFL. It was the extreme football league. Um, they didn't really, if you watch the 30 for 30 on it, they had some issues outside of um, the structure of the league, but um, they were trying to piggyback off the NFL and go further than the NFL was willing to go from a violent standpoint. Pushing the limit, yeah. Which was, back then... Already violent. Yeah, but it was more... The fans were all for it. So it was more beneficial for them to be more violent than the NFL is in order to gain more fans. Um, now it's become... And I think, and it and it makes sense from like if you, from a marketing standpoint, all this stuff makes sense. The NFL is has a... I wouldn't say it's at a crisis point yet, but it's struggling with a lot of public perception um, and public uh, things. You know what I mean? Um, they're getting a lot of criticism for a lot of things that they do. So the NFL is, or the XFL is now thinking um, the NFL at this point can be seen as weak. Um, and there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, basically, everything that anybody complains about with the NFL, we're going to take those complaints, do the opposite. Because football is still, at the end of the day, football is still probably the most popular sport in the country. So if we just take everything um, that the NFL is doing wrong and we fix it, 
we can be a pretty popular brand. Um, that was that was my takeaway of it. Because um, I think there, not that there's a market there determining like when we play, when they play, where they play, um, but because of how popular the sport is, and because of how much how much people are crapping on the NFL. Um, if they do it the right way, I think they can get people to come over to their side. Yeah, and I also thought that the way that NFL contracts are structured today, how a lot of like really good players, like there's no place for a lot of really good players yes. because there's cheaper guys who yeah. could fill in for them. Like those, you know, really good players who don't have a place yes. anymore now might have a place. They can get some. Um, obviously, they're not going to get Pro Bowl caliber guys, but they can get some. Because they can't pay them. Probably, yeah. No, yes, but they're, they they can get some guys with NFL experience and some, um, I mean, depending on how much they make revenue-wise and how much they can pay, I mean, they can get some guys that have played in the league and have played at a high level in college, and so the product might be better than it was at that time um, back when. I mean, the fir- so basically how I wanted to tie all this stuff together is a lot of the stuff that we've talked about this year in terms of rule changes and how to make the NFL safer. um, A lot of those things could be seen as too radical for the NFL to actually do. And we've talked about that. Like the NFL doesn't, will never, it's a risk for them. Yes. They'll never be progressive enough to take these steps and risk. They they, they, they they put their toe in the water before they do stuff. Yes. But the XFL they can freaking cannonball in there. They can do whatever they want and see if it works or not because at the end of the day, they really don't have anything to lose. So especially from a health and safety standpoint, they can change the rules of the game, change whatever they want, and you know what? See if it works or not. And you know it could work. And maybe. And this is what happened the first time they did the XFL. I mean, they changed a lot of stuff, and a lot of stuff that they did ended up translating into the NFL because the, the NFL was kind of like they, – they were doing some of this stuff, and it worked. You know what I thought about? Like when all this was when they talk about the XFL coming back in 2020, and you you mentioned this idea of the ability to do things in health and safety and test things out that the NFL is afraid to do. I almost think that the NFL is like funding this whole project. Like, think about it. Like, it's almost like they're. Their, their your, prototype. Your conspiracy theory that they're going to funnel money to Vince McMahon and like be like, okay. Hey, you try this out, see how it works, and get it to get back to us. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're going to see how this stuff works because at the end of the day, you're still the XFL. We're still brand. Uh, you're never going to be bigger than us, but we can see what works and maybe what doesn't work and if it completely bombs. Well, Vince McMahon had not a lot of answers to health and safety questions or really any questions well, that were given. Well, he's not a – I mean, he's, he's, he's a marketer. He's 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 a businessman. He's not a, I mean, he's not a football guy. He's not gonna he's not gonna be the one that's sitting down and hashing out what rules work best, um, and what chances to take in terms of on the field product and on the field football stuff. Um, so he did specifically say in terms of health and safety that they were gonna, you know, work with experts, health and safety experts to make rules yeah. that would make it safer. Yeah. He also talked about the speed of the game, which is kind of confusing because he's like, yeah, we want to make the game faster, which in the context of what he had said previously made it seem like it was kind of counterintuitive to making the game safer because obviously a faster game isn't really a, a well, safer game. Yeah. He meant the speed of the game in terms of like the duration yes. of the game, yes, like yes, yeah. going from three-and-a-half-hour yeah. games to two-hour yeah. games. Yeah, he's trying to make, he's trying to make football – last two hours on TV, not, I mean, you can't make it much faster on the field 
Cheetahs. Yeah, yeah. Cheetahs and and shoulder pads. Yeah, unless you put animals out there. But (laughs) in terms of less less commercials, less timeouts, shorter quarters, shorter games, two hours, quick time span – um, which is what I mean. It's what everyone's talked about. The, the the attention span of the generation today is so much shorter. So I mean, you can make the game faster. I think without like. What were you saying? You can make the. <laughs> See what I did there? You did. That was a good such one. a millennial. That actually was a good one. I was too busy spreading avocado on my toast. So, <laughs> but all right. So I want to I want to trans transfer into these these two other things and and how we can kind of potentially bring them into the XFL. Um, so first of all, with the XFL, before we get into that, the Extreme Football League, obviously that name fits the league that they had originally. If th- this new league isn't going to be extreme, no, they need to change the name. Why? Why FL? Why FL? Well, think about it. Like uh, point slope form in math, right? The X axis, like yes. the, the X is so it's, it's extreme. Your... It goes, it makes it go up. The whereas y the is... Y is flat and it's boring. Yeah. Shout out to but they don't want to be they don't want to be flat one. and boring. But I understand what you mean. Why? Why FL? So you, they need to change the game, um, and I think they need to make it a style similar to your um, seven on seven wide open spread it out spread league high scoring. You know, but like kind of like we said, they have the ability to do some of these things in terms of rule changes and kind of tweaking the actual game of football that the NFL would never do. Um, I, I think the style of the game, where we, this is where I'm bringing in the Pro Bowl, has to be kind of similar to how the Pro Bowl is structured. But it's, it's, it's kind of tough to visualize it because the guys in the Pro Bowl don't give a lot of effort. But, and it's obvious. It's obvious, but what happens in the Pro Bowl? They don't run the ball very much, if at all, because, I mean, you're asking for it. Yeah, but it, you need to put in a lot of effort to be able to run the ball, because you gotta, in order to run the ball, you gotta block up front, move bodies, and that's it's that's a lot of work. Um, and if you're not gonna really go 100% blocking on the offensive line, you can't run the ball. Um, there really isn't a pass rush, because they don't want to get the quarterbacks hurt. Super so, quick whistles. So the defensive line doesn't really do much. Um, as soon as the receivers catch the ball, they blow it dead. They barely bring guys to the ground. You, they basically just wrap them up and hold them. Um, yeah, but who the hell wants to watch that? That's, but that's what I'm saying is it's hard to visualize because if can you have that type of football, but the players are giving 100%? And would it, how would it look? Because I think that's what the XFL – is kind of shooting for in theory. It's a game style similar to how the Pro Bowl is played, except the players are giving 100%. You know, it's interesting that I just thought of based off what you just said, is when I was at Rutgers football, when Coach Yano was there and, and under Coach Flood, there was a huge rule that during practice, like during certain periods... Can't bring guys to the ground? Yeah, can't yeah. bring guys to the ground because that's like when guys get hurt. Yes. And... When I was watching the Pro Bowl, the quick whistle is basically like they're playing thud out there. Yeah, like it's like thud tempo. They're just like rapping, and it's like form tackling. Yes. You know, they're not. No one's launching themselves. Yes. Like it's a very safe way to approach the game. And yes. I don't know if you can go as far as no one can hit the ground kind of thing. Like yes, like you can't bring guys to the ground because I don't think anyone's going to watch that. But I think that pace of play is. Safer. Yes, it is safer. It's in control. It's yes. a control, more controlled yes. environment. Yeah. But the XFL has the ability to make it a thing and see what happens. I mean, you don't know if it's going to work until YFL. it actually 
Well, I fell. You don't know if it's actually going to work until you do it. You know what I mean? Um, but like you said, it is a lot. There is a lot less helmet to helmet when you're not launching to bring a guy to the ground. When you're, because like you said, when you're thudding, you're go, you're working from the ground up, and you're just you have to form tackle. You're wrapping yeah. up because, and you don't you. There's no worry of getting trucked or getting run over because the offensive guy really isn't trying to run through you because, I mean. He's basically giving himself up because because he knows he can't run through you because he doesn't have the ability to. It's a lot like flag football. Yes, it is similar <laughs> to this aspect. Okay, so uh, going forward, the Wall Street Journal art, Wall Street Journal article that you sent me, um, it was titled "How to Save Football Players' Brains," um, and it talked about some background on health and safety issues in football. The same and, thing and, that and everyone's heard a million freaking times. Yes, but at the end, it talked about one rule that could change the game of football. Um, and this is something that I don't know if it's right or wrong, but in terms of the gameplay style that we just talked about, if the XFL tried to do something like that, this is a rule that could possibly that could work. Um, the the author of the story basically said, um, offensive and defensive linemen have to play standing up from 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 the start. So you can't basically outlawing having your hand in the ground. Because think about it, if you make offensive linemen put their hands on the ground and they block, what are they going to hit first? Their heads. Their heads. They, you, you, you can't not. Because they're both like helmet to helmet to start. Yes. Yeah. And that's the only that's the only leverage that, that, that you have. You ever seen a, a an offensive or defensive lineman's helmet by the end of the season? Yeah, it's all Dude, it is like battle-scarred like yeah. crazy. You can't but, like... but now, if you take your offensive lineman and you say you can't put your hand in the ground, right? So now they have to go from a bent knee position where their hands are probably on their quads, most likely, right? And now your defensive linemen are going to be in like a, a linebacker like, stance. Like a linebacker stance. So now if I charge at the offensive lineman, what's what's going to make contact first? Your hands, your, your hands shoulders. and your arms, yeah. right? So there's not there there is going to be a lot less helmet to helmet contact. Slow the game down a lot too. Yeah. So I mean, you're not going to this is that's not going to solve concussions from quarterbacks, running backs, uh, defenseless receivers at all. It might help with the running backs though. It would probably help with the running backs, um, but as as receivers, it wouldn't. Yeah. It, it wouldn't help with quarterbacks and and receivers and defensive backs. But <clears throat> that type of structure and style for linemen, um, it kind of lends itself to your seven-on-seven seven type of wide-open Pro Bowl-style football game where you're kind of spreading the ball and throwing the ball. Um, the thing it says in the article is it's, it would very it would, it, it would drastically change the game because it would very – your running game would – the running back position and how teams would need to run the ball would change. Right, it'd be really hard to block that way. Yes, effectively in the run game. Yeah. Yes, yes, because it would you would it would end up instead of because it is what you always talk about in the NFL when teams have the best running game is they move the other team off the ball, right? They blow the team off the ball and it opens up holes. Okay, if you're both if your offensive defensive linemen are starting flat-footed almost flat-footed i mean you're not you're not going to go forward you're basically just going to stalemate and if you're just stalemating at the line you're not going to open up any holes you're not going to be able to have your typical eye formation run the ball it's it, it, I, it, I would it, say the offense would be at a much more of a disadvantage than the defense being starting in a standing position on every play i agree with you but it would also turn into a shotgun game Every play would be out of the shotgun, pistol. yeah, or pistol, 
and it would be you'd throw it around and your screens and your wide quick tosses and your quick passing game would in turn into what Still your running be a thing, game was. Yeah. So yeah. I mean I I to me it was very interesting and be like a Westmore's Wolfpack offense. <laughs> as soon as I read it, I would I said this a hundred percent makes sense and this will a hundred percent never happen in the NFL. Because it's too big of a risk and it's too much of a drastic change. But that's the great thing about the XFL is they could do this and see if it works. They have the ability and like I I I want to like I don't view the XFL as what it was, right? It was I, like a fresh slate. Yeah. So this is something, and I think a lot of people when when it, when the XFL announced that they were in Vince McMahon and announced that the XFL was coming back, it was almost um, immediately kind of strewn off and it'd be like it's just the XFL again. It's Vince McMahon trying to do this, but like, but now that it's funded by the NFL, who <laughs> <laughs> could be? But they have the ability to say, okay, offensive, defensive linemen stand in the air. All right, no hands in the ground, and then they play that way for a week. And they'd be like, "Oh shit, this sucks." Yeah, we'll go back. And then they can change it. <laughs> like they, 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 they don't need rules. They can do whatever they want, and just to see what works. Because why not? YFL. Yeah, because the YFL. I'm already helping them with their branding. So they should pay me. Um, so I just, like I said, the NFL would never go so far as to do this. But um, if the XFL did it and it worked, that's the only way I could see it happen. Um, the next. And then Roger Goodell could be like, well, this is my idea the entire time because I funded the XFL and I told him to do this and this is why it's great and why I deserve That's a probably what would happen. new contract extension. Um, and then the, just quickly about uh, the Chris Borland podcast and the future of the NFL. Um, All these articles and this particular podcast and the Vince McMahon uh, press conference will all be on headsandtails.org, so... Um, so before we get into the details of the podcast, just the one uh, kind of rule change that they talked about and Chris Borland talked about, who was a, he's a retired NFL linebacker. Um, and he's well known for retiring much or, earlier than people thought he should have. Yeah, uh, we'll go into the background on him. But the one thing that he said is um, how the quote is, obesity will always be an advantage. Um, so ba- the rule change is if you're going to weight limit positions – um, and so had different that was an positions. idea that they proposed yes. in the podcast. So if different weight limit or different positions have different weight limits, um, if smaller, if smaller players would increase the safety of the game. Force equals mass times acceleration. Yes. So if instead of having 350 pound linemen, your linemen can only be 250 pounds, right? Um, I mean, I mean, Rob Gronkowski is six seven. It would be hard for him to play it. I mean, and you would think it'd be hard for him to play at 200 pounds. So, I mean, I guess a tight end you can be 225, but I don't know how you would come up with the actual weight limits for the different positions. Um, but if you do it drastic enough, where you're making a pretty big decrease um, in weights for every position, could the game be safer? Pro- probably. Um, obviously, it would need to come hand in hand with other rule changes, but. Um, I think it, that's that's also a path that the NFL would never do, but a league like the XFL could. I just don't know how much with. that would really. I think people don't wouldn't think about the unintended consequences of that one because yes, you're making the game lighter, but that also means you're making the game faster, and I think that I don't know if you're really going to fix the problem with that by itself. No, but 
with other things, I think you couldn't just say, okay, weight limit solves everything. I don't think that would work. But if, if it's, if you're doing weight, weight limit, uh, hand in hand with other rule changes that are making the game safer, like thudding and right. Cause think about Chris Borland who in the podcast, he said his playing weight was 248. Yeah. Right. And like 248, like it's not that heavy. I got. I mean, it is heavy, and it's not that heavy in terms of like an NFL perspective. Yes. Like, but he also said he would never be that weight if he wasn't playing football. Right. But I'm thinking like even like a guy who's 225 pounds, like you could be ripped and jacked out of your mind and be 225 pounds and run a freaking four two forty. Yeah. Like that's a scary dude to have on a field. I agree. You know, the weight limit has a lot. There's there's a lot of um, details and issues with the weight limit, but it is on a path of something that could potentially be, be, be productive. Yeah. I mean, it, it basically, cause he was saying that, um, it, especially early in football, in youth football and in high, in a high school football, I mean, the bigger you are, the, the better you're going to be. It's yeah. Just, he specifically says like football is the, literally the only sport you could play and be a fat kid and like find a place that you're actually going to be good at something as yeah. a fat kid. It's just, it, it kind of promotes, um, football, especially at that level, promotes bigger, faster, stronger. Right, and but I guess kind of unnaturally bigger. The reason why he he brought that up is because a lot of people's argument to, you know, keeping football around and not playing flag or whatever is because, well, you know, it's a form of exercise for the kids, and you know, you're taking away physical activity for the kids. And he's like, "What other sport is there where you can be fat and be good? Yeah, like there isn't." It, it promotes obesity. Yeah. Um, so for the for the podcast in general, Chris Borland went to Wisconsin. He played at Wisconsin. His dad played in the NFL. Go Badges. Um, he was drafted in the third round by the San Francisco 49ers. Um, had a really good rookie season. Played his second year. Retired after two years in, in the NFL. Um, and the podcast itself is really interesting. He doesn't do. He hasn't done a lot of media, um, so he doesn't talk a lot about his retirement and the reasons behind it and his thoughts towards the NFL. Um, the thing that was the most interesting to me is how his just his worldview and his life view that because he retired early from the NFL, everybody automatically assumed that he was anti-NFL. Right. That he was against the NFL. He thought it was bad. He thought it was bad for people. He thought it was bad for society. Where he said, honestly, that couldn't be further from the truth. I retired because I felt um, – it was. It gave me. I had. I had other paths in life, basically, to be successful um, and to live the longest, best life I could live. I've. He's like. He said he had. He's nothing against football. He has no no angst towards football. And he says he football did a lot for him. Yeah. He, yeah. he doesn't dislike it at all. But um, in his specific situation, he thought the best move, the best thing for his life, was to not play football anymore. Um, I guess. But in saying that. If people feel that way, and if people who have gotten to the highest level and have been successful feel that way, is there something wrong with the sport? Right. I mean, they kind of alluded to that in the podcast as well. It's like, well, we're just talking about football. Like, that's yeah. just it is what it is because it's football. Yes. But it's interesting that he said that because I often feel that same way. Like, I my first start of the podcast, I really tried to speak at schools and tell my story and really promote concussion awareness to prevent athletes from going through the same thing that I went through. 
and I didn't do it to like I don't want to scare people from football. Like that's the opposite of what my mission is and for starting this podcast. Like I loved football. I still love football. Like it, to me it's like it was the most fun that I've ever had. Like when I think back on like some of the best memories that I've ever had, it was from playing football. And like I wouldn't want someone to not have that experience because they heard my story of a brain injury that almost killed me. Yeah. Because in my head, I and in my heart, I know that that could have been prevented had I had a different view of what toughness was yeah. and you know how to take care of your body and you know really maximizing your career longevity and being able to play the game that uh, I love and so many other people love as long as you possibly can. So I, I feel for him and him kind of being like a scapegoat or being viewed as this guy who hates football when that's not really the case at all. And if anything, it to me, it shows that we both love the game more than anyone else. Cause yes. we're willing to like put our faces out there and yes. on a topic that's not easy to, to talk about in a good light or a positive light in certain crowds. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and at the same time, he, I mean, he will be very successful in whatever he does. Um, so he has the alternative of saying, okay, I can retire, and I still know I have my college degree, and I'm going to be set no matter what I do. Um, so and not everybody has that. Exactly. That is a good point to make as well. Yeah, you don't, we don't, I don't know what his background was when he growing up, or but you know, some people might not have it easy. I'm not saying that he had it easy, but other people struggle and – really need football to make yeah. a name for themselves um do you have anything else i mean i i we've 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 talked about a lot this year um our desire to kind of write uh an article at the end of the season about what we found and rule changes that we think could make football safer and i kind of talked about this with you before we started the podcast is um at the beginning of the season and throughout the course of the season we viewed it as a letter to the nfl right um Whereas the YFL. now it's now, <laughs> but cause at the end of the day, like regardless of whether we would actually get through to the NFL, they see it does that. That's besides the point. The point is the NFL will never make drastic changes or be the first to make drastic changes. Um, just because of the brand that they are, um, the money that they have and the riskiness of it. But, if we frame it towards a new football league, whether it's the XFL or whether we create the heads and tails professional football league, what would those rules be? So I think going forward here, coming forward after Super Bowl, I think that's uh, that's kind of what our focus is going to be. And if anybody has any rule changes, drastic or minor, hit us up. Yeah, let us know. I'd love to hear kind of what, what what else you guys think and what you guys think about the rule changes that we've talked about today. Um, that were our own and that were uh, that we got were, we piggybacked off some other people too. Do you think? Do you guys think football would be less fun to watch um, if some of these rule changes were made, like offensive linemen, defensive linemen standing up, a lot less running game, thudding, not tackling, um, basically standing guys up, not bringing them to the ground, moving towards a flag football style of play, or would you say, oh, if football did that, I would stop watching? One more point before we, we stop this podcast. When you're just saying that, I think about, like, the athleticism and some of, like, the art form of the sport. And I feel like by taking some of these rules out, you might be taking away some of that athleticism and that ability that makes those great plays and those memorable plays memorable. 
I'm not talking about like the long touchdown passes. Like those will obviously still be a thing. But I'm talking about like the Troy Palomalu's like you know acrobatic interceptions, like batting balls to yourself, and like I don't know. I'm talking about like those those types of plays. Uh, just a, just, I don't know. It just came I, to mind. But I, no, I because I agree, and obviously, if the types of things that we're talking about tonight, if those changes happen, the game would look different, and it might look substantially different. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, um, say that football started in 2000, the way it started in 1890, like we talked about with Teddy Roosevelt, um, and how he saved football. Um, so if you go back there or just take the, the, the media out how it is now and put it in 1980, um, the conversation would be very similar. There would be like, why would we change this game? Why would we make? Why would we make it so you can throw the ball? You know what I mean. Whereas, and they made the changes. Yes, eventually it it would be like everybody always hates the thought of the change. Trump right? needs to call people down to Washington D.C. <laughs> and fix football. Fix football. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody always hates the thought of change because you can't see it any differently. Fear. Yes, the fear of change. Fear of the unknown. But then when it gets changed and it happens for a while and then it becomes now it's no longer changed now it becomes a new normal you just it it becomes it becomes it's second like, nature it's like cigarettes and vaping <laughs> <laughs> not, for, not really yeah it is yeah but you know what i mean so I, like at first it'd be like these 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 changes will never work. We could never do this. It would be so much different. And then if it actually did happen to go that way, and it was done because it actually was made the game a lot safer, eventually it would be we would come to a point where we look back fifty years from now, and and they would be like, why why were they playing like this in the first place? You know that made no sense. Just like we view how they how football originally was a hundred years ago. Like why would you ever play football right. like that? Yeah, and. In that podcast, and they're on the ringer. They said something about like how anthropologists, like a hundred years from now, would look back at this game and be like, "What the, f- what the hell were these people doing?" Yes. Uh, but all right, we got one more week, twenty-two weeks strong after the Super Bowl. We'll come back. Hopefully, there's not any injuries that will be to talk about. Yeah, but hopefully it's a good. Hopefully game. it's a short, a short injury report, uh, and then we'll get get cranking on that that article to the NFL or. XFL or YFL. Yeah. Where, 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 where? What's the best way to contact, contact us with their, with their rule changes or their thoughts on the rule changes? The email. Uh, you could email me at kevin at headsandtails.org. You can send us a direct message. Love when my Twitter. DMs get blown up on yeah. Instagram. Uh, Heads and tails. Uh, it's tails spelled T A L E S. Uh, Twitter. Uh, my handle's ksom37. Josh's is jboyd underscore four four. Uh, you can comment on the Instagram post when, when we post the, the episode too. Comment on the Instagram post. You can uh, send me a letter by pigeon. Snail mail. Snail mail. I'm not going to get my address on this. <laughs> all right. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, all right. See all right. you guys next week after the Super Bowl.